We are concluding our series through the book of Galatians. This has been a blast as we've looked at a, a letter that's a, you know, a couple thousand years old, but at the same time has so much to say to us today. Paul was an apostle that planted churches. And whenever Paul would leave, he would write letters back to uh, the leaders, the pastors, the churches. And we have those, we call those epistles in the Bible. And uh, Paul wrote this epistle, this letter to the book of Galatians, I mean, to, the, to the church at Galatia to talk to them about an issue they were having. There were these people that had come in after the apostle Paul and said, man, it's, it's good and all that you've, put your rela- you've you know, given your life to Jesus, but you need all these other religious things too. They, and they were, they were these legalistic uh, people that were trying to get Paul to, they were trying to get the people to, to add these rules to their relationship with God. And what we've been looking at throughout this series is this idea that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Could you say that with me today? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because if you add anything to Jesus, like Jesus plus some type of religious rule, then, then, then the cross, Paul says, means nothing to you because what Jesus did was enough. And it changes everything about us. We, we, we've, we've looked week after week about how it changes our lives. And you can listen to those messages and follow along with us. But today we're going to conclude where, where, where Paul concludes in the last chapter of the book of Galatians. And he talks about how when we understand the true grace of God, it should change the way that we treat people. That the greatest way that, that we can show what God's done in our lives is how we love each other. That the greatest test of our spirituality is how we treat our brother. Not necessarily how we love God. A lot of times we think that, oh, I love God, but I'm not really about his, you know, people. Like I don't want to mess with people. And what we're going to find out is that's so intertwined in the way that we love God and we love people. And it's all together. Paul says, Paul writes this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. But do it in a spirit of meekness and keep watch for yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each, of, but let each one test his own work and for his re, for and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load i love this because paul says the true test of spirituality is how we treat a brother that needs restoration you know we serve a god who loves to restore things my when I think about restoring things, I got thinking about all of the unfinished projects that I have at home. How many have some unfinished projects at home? Yeah, uh, that, that, that you're going to do this Memorial Weekend, right? Like, like the long weekend, you're thinking, okay, I got all these things to do at my house. And, and, and I, I think about growing up as a kid, I had my grandparents always, especially my grandfathers, were always tinkering with some antique or tinkering with something old and trying to fix it. And, and they just loved it. There was always an old car. There was always uh, some piece of furniture. There was always something where you'd say, you know, Grandpa, why don't you just throw that away? And they'd say, no, I, this is what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to restore it. And, 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 you know, we serve a God who has such an affinity with the idea of a restoration. He could just do away with us and make something new. <laughs> like I've told my kids that before. We're just going to do away with you and make some more like you. 
It's probably not very good parenting. But thank the Lord that he is a God that sees potential after we've made some mistakes along the way. And he wants to take our lives and turn it into something beautiful. And I think the reason is, is because when you restore something, there's always a story attached to it. You go buy something brand new, it's, it's just a new piece of furniture. But you take something old and, 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 and have it in your house. Maybe you have a piece of furniture that's an old piece of furniture. And, and if I were to come over to your house, you'd probably point that out to me. And you'd probably tell me a story of someone who gave that to you or where you bought it from or... Or, or the story that's attached to it. And do you know that our God wants to redeem us because he wants us to tell a story about how good he's been to us. He wants our lives to be this living epistle or living letter and story of how good God has been. That He's a restorer. And there's nothing that you could do that could stop God from loving you and from having a purpose for your life. Not one thing. I, I read this this week. It says about different people that God used. It says, Adam was a failure. Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Rahab was a prostitute, Samson loved prostitutes, Jeremiah was too emotional, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt, John the Baptist ate bugs, Peter denied Christ, the disciples fell asleep while praying, Martha worried about everything, the Samaritan woman was divorced, Zacchaeus was too small, Paul was too religious, Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead, so what's your excuse? God restores broken people. He uses people with issues and problems, and he, he uses us. And if you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. Because we all have issues. But what I want to talk about today is this, that we serve a God who's a restorer, but we too have a part to play in the restoration of other lives. That's why Paul t- says, hey, all you spiritual people, I can just imagine him, like if he was talking, like he would have some air quotes with that. All who are spiritual, because there were people in the Galatian church that were trying to be spiritual and religious and look down their nose at other people. What, what I've come to find out is if you look up to yourself, you'll look down at others. If you think that you're somebody, then you'll look down on other people. And that's what was happening. And Paul says, no, 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 no. The true test of your spirituality, if you want to truly be spiritual, here's how you do it. You love people unconditionally. You join God in restoring other people. You, you, you restore a brother who has fallen. You know, there's a story in the Bible, a famous story about two brothers. We call it the story of the prodigal son. And a lot of times we focus on the son that ran away and how he received everything from his father, his inheritance, and he went and he wasted it, and then the father restored him. But something that many times is kind of forgotten about in this story is the story of the other brother, the older brother in the story. And, and I wish we knew their names. Like, I wish we knew their names so we could just know a little bit more about who they are in this parable that Jesus tells. So I want to look today at the story of the older brother and how you and I, if we've been serving God for, long, for, for a while, if we've been at the Father's house, 
that we have to watch our spirit and attitude whenever it comes to other people that may be going through some issues and other people that come home. Church, we're called to be a place that welcomes people to come home. People that are broken, people that have made mistakes, people that have went and squandered the freedom that God gave them, squandered the inheritance. This is supposed to be a place where broken people can come. This is supposed to be a hospital for the broken, not just a country club for the saved. This is a place that's a hospital. It, it, it's a place for messy people that have issues. A couple months ago, my mother-in-law was at our house visiting, and she fell and cut her leg really bad. And, 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 and we went and took her in the car and went to Park West Hospital right over here. And the moment I pulled up in the ER, people started running out the doors. I don't know if it was the speed at which I pulled up to the door. But they started bringing, uh, they, they, they brought a wheelchair up to the door and they brought her in. She was bleeding all over the place, her leg. But they took her right back, right in that, that wheelchair and they, they took her right back into the hospital and they started working on her. And I got thinking, never once did they say, oh, you better clean her up before you get her in this hospital. You know how much we paid for this hospital? Man, we just bought this wheelchair brand new. You better not get it. It's been shined up. Like we shined this wheelchair up. It is, it, it is, it, it's okay. Okay, you better not mess up this wheelchair. No, they took her, they brought her right in, and they started working on her. They weren't afraid of her issue. Why? Because that's the reason they were there. They were on the ready for somebody that had a problem, and they were ready to rush out to her and to, and to help her. Church, that's what we're supposed to be. When people pull up onto this parking lot, oh, God, let us be the kind of people that we roll out the red carpet and say, we are so glad that you're here. And they may think, well, you don't know what I did last night, and you don't know the issues that I have and these are the problems in my family we say oh no that's okay that's why we're here because you don't know it's but by the grace of God I'm not here because I'm better I'm here because I've experienced the grace of almighty God and you can experience that same grace too it's a hospital not a country club that's what it's all about and, but, but, but the elder brother in the story had, had, had misunderstood the purpose of, of his life and misunderstood why he was where he was as a son of the father it says in verse 25 of Luke 15, it's there in your notes or on the screen. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. That was, a, that was an awesome party that the father was throwing. He says, So he called one of the servants and he asked him, What's going on? He said, Your brother's come, he replied, and your father was killed, has killed the fatted calf before he was, but he has killed the fatted calf because he was. Um, he was back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And watch what he says. I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. He said, I never disobeyed your orders and you've never given me a young goat. He said, but, but when this son of yours... Just notice the tone in his voice. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. See, the older brother syndrome, as I want to call it today, is something that we can all uh, we, we, we have to all watch out for that are at the father's house. I want to show you what the heart of this older brother syndrome was. It was pride. I want to show you specifically what that looks like. Here's the first thing about the older brother. The older brother did not see himself correctly. The older brother didn't see himself correctly. Notice what he said. I have never disobeyed you. 
All of the parents in the house said, lie. <laughs> Isn't it amazing whenever we look at other people how, that, that are dealing with things, we think to God, oh, I would never. Oh, I, I cannot believe they would come up in this church looking like that. I would never. We think we're so soon to forget the grace that God gave to us. We're so soon to forget the mistakes that we've made. And it's the grace of God that's on our life. And he got self-righteous. And he, had, he forgot to see himself and remember that, it's, that, it, that it was the grace of God that had him at his father's house. And Jesus tells a story in Luke 18, verse 11, about a Pharisee and a publican. And he says this about them. He says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. This is what the Pharisee prayed. God, I thank thee that I am not as the other men are. I can just imagine him in my mind praying this. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. He's approaching God by this self-righteousness. Look what I am. Look what I've done. Look at all the things that I give. And then Jesus says, this publican, he stood afar off. He would not even so much lift up his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself will be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Church, we can never forget what God's done in our life. We can never forget. I want to stay that man just beating my chest. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I can never deserve the grace that you've shown to me. I can never deserve the righteousness that you gave me by faith. See, that's the problem. Self-righteousness says, God, look what I've done for you. But the true righteousness that Jesus wants to give is a life that says, God, I've never gotten over what you've done for me. I've never gotten over how good you've been to me and how much I don't deserve it. When I look at my family, when I look at my friends, when I look at the relationships and all the blessings in my life, God, I just want to say, I've never gotten over the fact that you gave all this to me, and I just want to say thank you. Church, I think it's a great thing to do on this Memorial Weekend to thank God for the freedom that we have in the United States of America and the blessings that we have in this house to worship God with freedom. Let us never forget where that comes from. He didn't see himself correctly. Here's the second thing. He didn't see others correctly either. His first issue was self-righteousness, but his second issue was he was judgmental. Man, he, he, he didn't see his brother in the right way. He didn't see his brother as someone that was loved by his father. He didn't see his brother as, as, as someone that, that, that had potential. And I'll say this, he saw himself as better than his brother. Jesus tells a, 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 Jesus had an experience that happened to him in Luke chapter 7 when he was at a Pharisee's house, which so many times in the Bible, the Pharisees kind of represent this older brother. And he was at the Pharisee's house, and while he's at this Pharisee's house, there's a woman that just comes to worship Jesus. She had this alabaster box that had this real expensive ointment in it that was like a year's wages. So whatever you make in a year, if you could imagine that being kind of poured out on the feet of Jesus. It was a huge moment of just worship and sincerity in this woman's heart. And, and she has this, he has this experience with 
with this other man that's there. And here's what it says in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, I love this, he said to himself. So the Pharisee's going to talk, but he's not talking out loud. He's talking and it just, he's, he's having a thought in his mind. Here's what he thinks. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him. I love that. <laughs> she's, he's thinking, oh, I wonder, you know, if he really knew. And Jesus answers the thought of Simon. And here's what he says. Simon, I have something to tell you. I'm sure that just rung his bell. He says, tell me, teacher, he said. Tell me, teacher. And he's still trying to be respectful. He says, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. Time out. In this story that Jesus is saying in response to this guy's thought, who do you think this Pharisee thinks that he is in the story? The one that owes 500 or the one that owes 50? He thinks he's the one that owes 50. He probably doesn't even know that much. You know, he'd say, I'm pretty good. You know, I kind of do everything I need to do. I'm kind of a good guy. Oh, 500. Oh, that's that lady. I know what she used to do. You know, I know her. She's coming up in my house and doing that, you know, making a show, you know, to show Jesus. And, and I'm sure he's thinking this in his mind. But it says, so he forgave the debts of both of them. And Jesus asked the question, now which of them will love him more? Verse 47 says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whosoever has been forgiven little, loves little, loves little. Jesus was telling this whole, he was telling this whole story to this man to try to get him to show this. That he was seeing himself as better than this lady. He thought that she loved more because she had been forgiven more. But the reality is, is that all of us are 500. But the sad thing is, we don't all realize that we are 500 in debt. This woman, because of her choices, she just realized how broke she was without God. But what Jesus was trying to say, hey, newsflash, Simon, you're just as broke as she is. You have your own religious issues, and they may be cloaked in some type of religiosity, but you got to understand, you, if you truly understood, understood who you were, and if you truly understood who I am, you too would be at your feet casting everything that you had down at me because of who I am. And this woman, she just realized it. In other words, we don't have any right to judge anybody else because we too are in need just like everybody else is. Not saying that you have to go, if, if that was true, you'd have to leave church and maybe you grew up in church your whole life and you'd have to leave church and uh, go sin a bunch and then you come back so you can really love God. 
I think this, and this is for extra, this is graduate, graduate Sunday. I think the greater testimony is not that you left church and that you came back to church and all that. I think the greatest testimony is that God kept you and, you, and you're living a righteous life. You're living, but here's, here, but here, here's the reality though. But the only way you do that, truly do that in your heart, is if you understand that it's, it's only by the grace of God. If you understand, if you get this reality, I'm not 50 just because I haven't made mistakes like other people. I'm 500. And, and here's the thing. When, when we stand before God, we all stand at even. We all stand level at the foot of the cross. That's what I love about the church. Because this is the only place on planet Earth where it really doesn't matter the color of your skin. It really doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much education you have or don't have. It doesn't matter how many good decisions you've made or bad mis- decisions you've made. It doesn't matter what your past is, your situation is. But all of us stand face to face, shoulder to shoulder at the foot of the cross saying, Jesus we need you we cast down our success at your feet we cast down our failure at your feet we cast down everything that we are so that we could receive your grace because we understand who you are here's the, here's, here's the third thing that he didn't understand he, first of all he didn't understand he didn't see himself correctly he didn't see others correctly and thirdly he didn't see the father correctly he didn't see the father correctly he got upset because his dad was Every night, standing on the front porch of his house looking for his little brother to come home. See, the older brother was working for the father instead of working with the father. The older brother was just an employee in the family business. But the father, he was about something so much more. And when we work for God instead of working with God, we can look down on other people that are making mistakes. And we fail to understand how good God's been to us. We fail to understand how merciful God's been to us and how how much favor. The two nevers that he says, remember he said, first of all, I've never made a mistake, which is a lie. And then the second thing, he said, you've never even given me a young goat. I mean, that's that's, that's pretty nitpicky, right? You've never even given me a young goat. You owe me a goat, Dad. I want to show you in the scripture that how, how wrong he was in this. He, he, he thought that the father hadn't been very good to him. But I want to go back to the first of this story. It's in your notes. It says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. And watch this. You may have never seen this before. So he divided his property between them. The older son had already gotten his inheritance as well. But it's amazing. Whenever we fail to remember how good God has been to us, the father goes on to say to his older son, he says, my son, you are always with me. In other words, you have my presence. And everything that I have is yours. You have my provision. He says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours that was dead is now alive again. He is lost and now he is found. He says, you're always with me. You have my presence. He says, everything that I have is yours. He says, you have the provision. The younger son messed out on the presence and provision of God because he left home. But the older son missed out on the presence and provision of God because his heart left home. And the father said, son, never forget what I've done in your life. All that I have is yours. Like church, family, brothers, sisters. Never forget that everything that is available, is, is everything that God has is available to you today. 
And we have no right or business to look down on anybody else. But let's be a restorer of people that are broken. I want to end today by going back to where we started, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I want to read it today from the message paraphrase. And it says this, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. I love this. Saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. So stoop down and reach out to those who are pressed. Share their burdens. And so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been getting, given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. For each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. I love that. Live creatively. See potential in people. Keep your negative comments for yourself. Isn't that good? Like just keep your negative comments to yourself. When someone comes in that's far from God or has issues or situations, then just keep your negative comments for yourself. Love, share, care. I've always dreamed of a church that it doesn't matter what issue, like how you walk in this place, that you're going to be loved, you're going to be cared for. This is going to be a place of restoration. I want to say today, this is a house of restoration. And if you need to be restored, Jesus is in this place today. So I want to challenge you, last of all, kind of a funny point is simply this. I want to challenge you to be a party planner. I'm going to give you a new, um, give you a new business idea. You are therefore party planners in Jesus' name. You know what the father had been doing for years and years and years? He had been planning a party for his youngest son to come home. That fatted calf had been prepared. God, help us to look at the people in our lives and start planning the party of what God's going to do. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day when they're going to come. Maybe today's the day where they're going to come to Christ. Maybe today's the day when we have that lunch and, and man, I'm going to have an opportunity to share with them what God's done in my life. Maybe today, like I'm planning it, I am ready for it. And I, I just want to say this. I felt this so strong earlier this morning that there are people in this place that you have prodigals in your family and in your friends. And I just want to say in the name of Jesus, they're coming home. In the name of Jesus, today is going to be a day of restoration in our lives because the prodigals are coming home. And I want to say we're going to be ready for them. And we're going to be believing for them. And maybe your prodigal family is in this city and we're going to believe that God's going to bring them home. Or maybe they're far from home in the pig pen somewhere far away. I want you to know that God is still with them right there in that situation. And I believe we can go to Him and God can turn hearts and He can intersect them with just the right person. And the right church. And I believe restoration can happen. Because we serve a God. We have a heavenly father. That he is looking for us to come. He doesn't wait for us to run to him. He runs to us. And that's the kind of God that he is. And he's in this place. Let's be restorers church. Let's see people with not their problems. But let's see what they can be. Let's put a smile on our face. Speak a word of life. 
Maybe the only word of encouragement someone hears all week. Let's be what God has called us to be. Restorers of the broken. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.